Well, good morning and welcome to Soul City Church. It is so good to see you today. Those of you who are gathered in this room, uh, to all the folks in our overflow space right now, we're so glad that you're here. And then folks watching online, I'm so, I'm so, I love when we kick off a brand new teaching series, which is exactly what we're doing today. So I want to wish you a happy Super Bowl Sunday. And I don't know if you got it there, but I said we're kicking off a brand new... That's as sportsy as it's going to get, my whole message, that's it, and it can only go up from there. So uh, I'm, I'm so excited for you to be here. Uh, we are starting a brand new series called Start With Yes, and I, I, Gene and I asked God to give us a word for each year that we want to kind of build our life around, and earlier this winter, that was the word God gave to me was the word yes, that my job this year, and really my job my life, is to say yes to God as early and as often as possible. And so as I began to think about what that meant for me, I began to think about y'all and how would we talk about this kind of thing? How can you begin to say yes and actually start with yes with God? That is really what a life with God, that's at the center of it, is you saying yes to him. And so we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks, what that really looks like and how that really works. What I want to do right now is actually take you back a little bit. I want to take you back in time. I want to take you back to the summer of 1995. And I, I don't want to hear if you weren't born then. I just <laughs> keep that to yourself. Uh, summer of 1995, uh, Coolio's Gangster's Paradise is blowing up the charts. And uh, the internet was given to us 30 hours at a time from AOL on a disc. That's how things worked back then. And uh, I was uh, sitting under the Golden Gate Bridge at a little spot called Secret Beach. And I was in the finest men's warehouse suit a man of my stature could afford and uh, waiting for uh, my girlfriend to show up. We were having a surprise date that night. I had blanket out, candles out, and uh, wine and cheese. Was, I went all out. And uh, she eventually showed up. And uh, I, it was, I had a whole, the whole night planned. And so I uh, started the mixtape that I'd made for her. <laughs> It was a mixed tape. And uh, when side A finished, see, because you used to not be able to have everything always. You used to have to plan out and pick the songs you wanted and very complicated process. So I flipped the tape over to side B and it was a song that we really loved and cared about. We'd even talked about, oh, one day, wouldn't it be cool to have the song sung at our wedding? Uh, but what she didn't know was it was actually the instrumental track and I sang that song to her right there on the spot. And, uh, and after that, I read her a, a poem where I had kind of written cleverly in the poem the words, will you marry me? And uh, I got down on one knee and opened up this little vintage jewelry box, you know, the kind of the ballerina that spins around and had her open that. And on the ballerina's arm was the ring. Come on, I'm killing the game. I'm killing the game. And so... I'm there on my knee. I've asked her the question, will you marry me? There's two answers. <laughs> boy, they really can lead to two different outcomes for my life. Now, we've been dating for almost two years at that point. I had a hunch she was more in the yes category at this point. But that yes or that no is an incredibly powerful thing. A really, really powerful. In fact, I don't think we even realize how much power our yeses and our noes actually had. Had Jeannie said no, I don't know if we would have ever gotten married. I don't know if our amazing kids would be on this planet. We wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here at Soul City Church. 
Now, there's no way we could have known that in that moment, that this yes or no had that much power and potential in it, but that's really kind of how it is with your life and specifically with your life with God. In fact, the reason you're here right now today is because a series of yes and no's that you've already spoken. You said yes at some point to getting up this morning. Maybe you said yes to showering, maybe not. That's not important. You said no to other things so that you could be here. Do you see your yeses and nos have so much power? And what we're going to talk about today has the power to actually change the trajectory of your life and the landscape of eternity. And your yes today can change all of that. You have no idea how important, how significant your yeses and your nos are. Now, my hunch is when it comes to our lives, you probably have a bunch of yeses that you've said that should have been no's. We'll call this college. I just think it's just a lot of should have said this, but you said this. and Okay, so we don't, we don't need to go into that. We all know what happens. And if you're ever kind of a little bit shady about, oh, I wonder if I should have said no instead of yes, uh, consequences will come to find you. And they'll usually tell you, yeah, you should have said no. But instead, you should, yeah, oh, should I have another slice? Oh, I'm just going to say yes. The next morning, your consequences will find you. <laughs> These tight jeans will be even tighter, all right? So, oh, should I stay up and watch one more episode? It's 1 a.m. Well, if I say yes to that, then my consequences will come and find me because I'll be short and cranky and tired, and I'll be rude to the people that I love the most, my wife and my kids. So you see, those consequences can come to find you pretty quick and remind you that the things you said yes to, you should have said no to. But what I want to just spend this morning talking about is the things that you have said no to that you should have said yes to. That's different. See, that's not as obvious as our consequences. The things that we've said no to that we should have said yes to oftentimes occupy the space of regret. There are what if questions. What if I would have dot, dot, dot. What if we would have gotten serious about our finances earlier in our marriage? Maybe we could have spared the mess that we're in. What if I would have listened to God and trusted God instead of the opinions of my friends at the time who aren't even in my life anymore? These are the what if questions, space of regret. And so what I want to do is offer you a better what if question, one full of possibility and transformation. And that question is this, what if God's best is on the other side of your yes? What if God's best for you, God's blessing, God's provision, God's presence, God's power, God's favor on your life is actually on the other side of your yes. You saying yes to him. You have no idea what is actually on the other side of your yes to God. So what might happen? What might that actually look like? How can we begin to start with yes? So that's what we're gonna talk about today, how we can start with yes with God and actually experience what's on the other side of yes. The promise and the potential and the courage and the calling and the faith and freedom that God forms in us when we say yes. Let me show you what yes looks like. If you you grab a Bible and open to Luke chapter 19, and if you don't have a Bible with you, why don't you grab one of these gray Bibles that's on the seat right in front of you here in our overflow space as well. Just grab a gray Bible and turn to page 732. Luke 19, page 732 in the gray Bible Story you might have heard before, uh, certainly one we've taught here before at Soul City, but I want to look at it through this lens of our yeses and our noes and how you can actually start with yes. 
Luke 19. It's the story of a guy named Zacchaeus. We'll learn more about him in a minute. Jesus at this point in Luke 19 is uh, significantly into his ministry years. He's built up crowd. He's built up a following. So just about everywhere he goes, people go to find him, to follow him. Crowds show up to hear from him, to be healed by him. And so you have lots of people wherever it is that Jesus goes. And this story we're about to come into in Luke 19 is no exception to that. So let's see what happens. Luke 19, verse one. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through the city of Jericho. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a what? He was a chief tax collector. It's important that you circle that word chief because we've, if you've been around here, you've heard about tax collectors before. We'll break that down in a moment. But he was a chief tax collector and was, what's the word? And was wealthy. This is really important. So not a word is wasted here in the Bible. And what the writer of this text, what Luke wants you to know is there's two things about him. He's a chief tax collector, not just a tax collector, and he's wealthy. We want you to know that this is what you need to know about him. Now, tax collectors in those days were people who were actually hated and despised by the Jewish culture, their people. Why? Because they had sold their people out to work for the occupying empire, Rome. And what Rome said is, you just need to collect the right taxes that we require, and whatever you can get from people on top of that, you get to keep. So they are a super sellout because they are betraying their people twice. First, they're betraying them by working for Rome, and then second, they cheat and steal from their own people for their own gain. Okay, so you can kind of get, and he's not just a tax collector who were already hated. Jesus had one in his crew that followed him. He was a chief tax collector. That means like, he's like Godfather level, like think Godfather, like Pablo Escobar level <laughs> tax collector. Okay, so he sits at the top of the food chain of tax collectors. And it says he was wealthy, that his wealth and his identity were interchangeable. That's all we know about Zacchaeus at this point. And then it goes on to say what happens. Verse three, he wanted to, I love this phrase, he wanted to see who Jesus was. Didn't say that he wanted to hear a message from Jesus, wanted to get some inspiration from Jesus, wanted to get a little life lesson from Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Was he really who he says he is? Is it possible that this man has the authority he claims to have and that the possibility of new life can be found in him? He wants to see who Jesus really is. But because he was, what? Because he was, Short, he could not see over the crowd. Again, we know he's a chief tax leader, he's wealthy, and he's short so far. The text is letting you in on his story. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming this way. So we know he's a tax collector, chief tax collector. We know he's wealthy. We know he's short. Now, there's no need to short shame Zacchaeus for this. We don't need to get into that. But it's important that you get that he's someone who looked down upon his people enough to steal from them while they literally looked down on him because of his height. And because of his height, he was lost in the crowd that had come to see Jesus. And so he needed a vantage point if he was actually going to see who Jesus really was. And then he does. Verse five, look who sees who first. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, calls him by name, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I love it. And I love how forward Jesus is. He's like, we're throwing a party for me at your place. Let's do this. Let's do this. And so this is a really important moment. This is a really important moment because this is a yes or no situation for Zacchaeus. He came to see who Jesus was. He did not come there to have this kind of interaction. And I can't imagine he certainly thought that Jesus would be coming home to his house that day. This is a yes or no 
moment. And Zacchaeus could have easily said no when Jesus came up to him and called him by name and said, Zacchaeus, I see you. Come on down. I'm going to your house today. He could have just said, no, no, no. I, no, I just came to watch. The, I just came to hear you. I didn't come to talk to you. No, you know, you can imagine him just sitting up in the street. He's like, okay, if I just sit real still, maybe Jesus won't notice me, you know? And Jesus calls out to him. He's like, no, Zacchaeus here. <laughs> just as birds, you know, like you can, I mean, you can try and imagine. He could have, you know, uh, the cleaners don't come till Thursday. It's not really a good time for me. All the excuses he could have made. And let's be honest, when faith is at a point of being a risk, no is a lot easier than Yes. It's a lot easier to say no in those moments when you feel a risk, when you feel like something's your faith is on the line. It's way easier to say no in those moments than it is to say yes to God. But that's not actually what Zacchaeus says. And in fact, before we get to his response, I want you to pay attention to something that already happened. Who was the first person in this story to actually say yes first? Do you notice who gives the first affirmation? It's actually Jesus. That's always the answer in church. It's Jesus. This <laughs> is a safe bet. Before Zacchaeus could ever say yes to Jesus, Jesus said yes to Zacchaeus. He walks up to the tree and calls him by name, sees him and calls him by name and says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm coming to your house today. We're going to have a party. New life is about to enter in. And I love that about Jesus. And we're going to talk more about that Next week, how God starts, always starts with yes for you. And that's what he does here with Zacchaeus. He starts with yes before Zacchaeus can even say anything to him. And so we get to see his response to Jesus in this verse. Uh, verse six says, so he came down and welcomed him gladly. I love that. He came down excited at once, it says. He came down at once and welcomed him gladly. He started with a yes, an emphatic yes, a wholehearted yes, full of enthusiasm, potential impossibility. He started with yes, but there were others in the crowd who were not as yes. In fact, there was plenty of no to go around in that crowd that day. Verse seven, it says this. What's the first word? How many of the people? How many of the people does it say? Wow. All the people, you gotta love that. All the people, all the people saw this, saw Jesus in the Zacchaeus moment and began to mutter. I love that the text uses that word. They began to actually mutter. And they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. You, can't, you have to understand, you can't say sinner because that's not how they would have said it. They said, sinner. They just dragged the word out. And I love the text says muttering, because guys, that's, that is what we do. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just mutter for like five seconds. Just mutter. What does muttering sound like? <laughs> you got it. That's it. That's muttering. It's basically just talking into your shoulder about someone else. <laughs> oh my gosh. Religious people are so good at muttering. We are the best at muttering. We love to mutter. We're some tough mutterers. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Did you hear about so-and-so? Oh, yeah, I heard they broke up. Oh, we should totally pray for them. But let's keep talking about them. I mean, we just, we mutter, we mutter, we mutter, we mutter, we mutter, right? And so that's what's going on here. They see Jesus going to the house of a sinner. And oh, can you believe? What kind of leader would this? Who, how would he be associated with those kind of people? How can he be a righteous person if he would be with such an unrighteous person? Plenty of no's to go around in this moment. But that's not going to stop Zacchaeus from having his yes 
with Jesus. And what I love is while all of their little nose are clamoring around, we see Jesus and Zacchaeus just walk off and go and have their moment together. And what I love that Jesus demonstrates here is that he always has a yes for the people that you and I always have a no for. Always. Anyone that you have a yes or a no to, like, oh, not them. Oh, no, not them. No, they're too far. They've done too much. Or they're too messed up. Or their life's a mess. For every person you have a no for, Jesus always has a yes for them. Always. And so we get stuck in our little place of no when Jesus is already like, no, I say yes. Grace is possible. Forgiveness is possible. Freedom is here and now. Always has a yes for everyone we always have a no for. So they get to the party. And, and, and Zacchaeus decides to double down on his yes. He goes from yes to like mega yes here in a second. And let's look at what he does. It says this in verse eight. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord. So he kind of like, you know, gets the room's attention. He goes, he's all right, I have something to say. I have something to say. Look, Lord, he says, here and now. That's very important. You might want to circle that. Not when I get to it, not once I'm ready, not next quarter. Here and now. I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, to which the whole room went, you mean everybody, (laughs) I will pay back how much? Four times the amount. So he starts off by saying, here's the deal. Already, I see that you said yes to me so that I can say yes to you. And so here's what I want to do because I've built my life on my wealth as being a chief tax collector. I'm giving away half of what I have, half of everything I have to the poor. And on top of that, I'm going to actually give back anyone I've ever cheated any amount, four times that amount. That is a remarkable response to Jesus. Can you imagine if... Can you imagine if Enron had had that response after stealing so many people's savings and futures? We could barely get them to apologize, let alone have the, all the banks and lending institutions that preyed on lower income folks with predatory lending to get them into houses they couldn't actually afford with subprime loans. Can you imagine if they said, you know what? All your debts are wiped out, wiped clean. In fact, we want to help you get into a home you can actually afford. Here's you know, this much money. Can you imagine that? I mean, that... Can you imagine if the city of Chicago said, you know what, all the parking tickets you've ever gotten, we're going to pay them all back. Every red light camera, we're going to pay it back. There would be revival in this city if they actually had the response of Zacchaeus. Do you see what I'm talking about? This is a remarkable response to the yes that Jesus offered him. He doubles down on his yes. And what I love about Zacchaeus' transformational declaration that he makes in this moment is that it's quite possible this would wipe him out financially. Totally possible. Start with giving away half, and then from the half that's left, I'm going to pay back four times every person I've ever cheated. It's totally possible it would wipe him out financially. But he had something far greater than financial resources. He had Jesus. His life had been changed. He had actually all that he needed. And I love that he doesn't take time in the corner, kind of, you know, the text doesn't say, and then Zacchaeus sat down with a calculator and a notepad and began to figure out which deal would actually work. You know, you see him going, I want to give away half. Ooh, no, not half. Uh, A quarter. Uh, That still feels like a lot. All right, 10%. God seems to love 10%. 10%, we're going to give away. Like he doesn't kind of whittle it down to something more manageable. He doesn't try and kind of work out the logistics. And I think this is really important. I love that he says the phrase here 
and now. Again, this is only a couple hours after him actually meeting Jesus for the first time. He makes this amazing, amazing transformational declaration to Jesus and to everyone gathered there. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. He did not have to wait till he got clarity to move forward in faith. In fact, here's the thing you need to know when it comes to your yeses and your noes to God. Do not let your yes be held back by how. Don't let your yes be held back by how. Because what we, I'll speak for myself. What I tend to do, if you give me long enough, I will talk my yes into a no. I'll pros and cons that thing to death. I'll look and go, well, that's, I mean, that's what I want to do in my heart, but I don't think I can actually really do that in my life. You give me long enough, I'll talk my yes into a no. Don't let your yes be held back. In fact, I would even say, don't let your yes be hijacked by how. Taken prisoner by the logistics and how you're actually all gonna make it happen because your faith will fizzle from yes to no. It's human nature. Start and stay with yes. Brennan Manning tells the story of John Kavanaugh, who was a famous uh, ethicist and someone who kind of studies the human dilemmas and the big human problems and tries to understand them. And he couldn't solve the question of the problem of his life. He did not know what to do with his life. Couldn't figure it out. And so he decided that he would go work with Mother Teresa over the course of a summer, spend time with her. Maybe she could help him answer the question, what do I do with my life? I don't know what to do with my life. And so he went and spent time with her. And on the first day she met with him and she asked him, what can I do for you? How can I actually pray for you? How can I pray for you? And without hesitation, he said to her, Kavanaugh said to Mother Teresa, I need you to pray that God would give me clarity. I don't know what to do with my life. Just pray that God gives me clarity. And without missing a beat, I love Mother Teresa, never got to meet her, but I can imagine her saying this. She just looks him in the eyes and says, no. I love it. Just says, no, I will not do that for you. And when he asked why, she said, because clarity is the last thing you're clinging to and you must let go of it. And when Kavanaugh went on to say, well, your life seems to be so clear. You seem to have such clarity and you seem to have it all. Your purpose is so clear for your life. That's all that I want. She responded with these words. I have never had clarity, but what I have always had is trust. So I will pray that God gives you trust. Isn't that a beautiful picture? You may not have all of the how figured out, You may not have all your clarity, but don't let your yes be held back by how. Because I believe God's best for your life is on the other side of your yes. Well, we can see how Jesus closes out this section, verse nine. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, he said, salvation, today salvation has come to this house. This is what it looks like. You get it. He says, you get it. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. He gets this faith thing to say yes to me. And then he says this, Jesus gives us his mission statement here. For the son of man, that's Jesus, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. To seek out, to see, to call out and to save the lost. This is precisely what Jesus is about in our world, in your life. To seek and save the lost. To call them by name and invite himself into their lives. To make himself available to you. We're going to talk more about that next week. But what I want to do is just to help us get what this means for our everyday life. 
is to look at Zacchaeus's process, his response to Jesus in the framework of how you and I can actually start with yes for the decisions that we have to make. Start with yes with the promptings or the leadings or the leanings that you get from God. Because I believe he actually gives those to you if you're listening. So what we're going to do is build a little um, faith flow chart. Remember flow charts? No? Okay, it's okay. I'm going to teach it to you again. So here's kind of how this works. Anything in your life, and specifically we'll take the moment uh, that Zacchaeus had with Jesus, has the potential for one of two responses. Yes and no. At any point, anything that he leads you to, can, you can have a yes or no answer to whatever it may be. And so let's take the situation with Zacchaeus. Jesus comes and sees him and says, Zacchaeus, come down. That's the first one. What did Zacchaeus say? Yes. And so he moves on to the next one. And Jesus says, I'm actually coming to your house today. What does he say? Yes, let's do this. He goes and throws a party for Jesus. It's there at the party that he has his declaration of transformation. And he says he wants to give away half of what he has to the poor and pay back four times. He is already saying yes before a question is even asked. And this is the way of faith, is that we actually have opportunities daily to say yes to God. And then it's the next yes to God. And then it's the next yes to God. But at any point, because God loves you, he's given you the power to choose. He's given you free will. At any point, rather than going here, you can go here and say no at any point. At any point when the question or the challenge gets a little too tricky, you can always say no. Uh, this is going to require a little too much of me. No. And so this is always possible. No is always possible. It's always on the table. So let's take something from uh, our lives, our everyday lives. Let's take, um, take something like re your resources, your finances, your stuff, all right? So in the faith flow chart, God asks you a question. The first question is, do you believe that I'm good? Because that's the fundamental question when it comes to your resources. Do you believe that I'm good? And you may say, yes, I do. Or you may say, no. And if you say no, that, that's fine, that's your choice. There's just not much more for us to talk about. Because if you don't believe that God's good, then why would you ever want to trust him with your money, with your life? So if you don't believe he's good, then you can kind of just hang out over here. Okay, you believe that I'm good. Do you believe that everything you have is a gift from me? Yes, awesome. Let's move forward to the next yes. Do you trust me? Are you willing to trust me with your resources? Uh, is there a maybe box? This is really, this, and I'm talking about well-meaning, seasoned people of faith, Christians, get stuck at that question right there. I want to. Does that count for something? I'll give it here and there. But God say, no, I want to invite you to trust. I want you to go all in with me and trust me with what I've entrusted to you. Are you willing to say yes to giving to what I'm doing in this world? That's it. And what that looks like, between, that's between you and God. And then usually what happens is after you get into a habit and a pattern of giving, lots of times what God does is say, here's an opportunity for you to give above and beyond. 
That's what all this for the love stuff is. It's an opportunity to step out in faith yet again. Another yes to Jesus. You see? And at any point you can say no. And when you do, that's fine. That's good. But that's kind of then where you stay. There's really no moving forward. There's no growth. There's no transformation once you get to know in that area when it comes to God. So, okay, so let's take another one. We started with money. Maybe I shouldn't have started with money. All right, so let's start with another one. The marathon. (laughs) Running with Team World Vision. Incredible partner we've been privileged to work with. You have an opportunity. You hear Michael come and give his incredible presentation today. And the, the, the real thing is not about a marathon. It's actually about clean water, a problem that we can solve in our generation, friends. We already have the answer. We already know what it is. We just need to get to work solving it, okay? So you hear him give his pitch. Do you believe that God cares about people that you will never see or know? Yes, I do. Do you believe that God cares for the welfare and the benefit of all people? Yes, I do. Do you believe that we can solve the water crisis in our generation? Yes, I do. Are you willing to run 26 miles to prove it? Uh, uh, lady. And so in the last service, someone said, no, but I will, I will support someone who does. I'm like, you can't outsource your running. That doesn't work that way. You got to either do it or not do it. You can't sort of pay someone else to do your exercise. All right. Do you see? So it's just a series of yeses, yeses, yeses. You can say no. That's the amazing thing. God loves you enough to give you free will to actually say no. But when you do, you just need to know that your no is where you will stay. Because there's no moving forward. In fact, another way of thinking about it, there's really, really, really nowhere else to go. When you start with no with God, there is nowhere else to go. There's nothing else to talk about. I, you know, God's prompting you, hey, you know the small group's thing? I want you to be a part of a small group. I want you to get into a small group. No, I'm not interested, God. I don't know if, I don't know if, I don't have people issues. I'm, I, I've done one of these things before. I got burned. Okay. But this is where you're gonna stay. God prompts you, hey, I want you to be about a solution to the violence in our city, the out of control violence in our city. Oh God, I don't know. I don't know enough. I'm not, I don't even know. I'm not, I don't even know all the neighborhoods in Chicago, let alone the ones where they're most suffering through violence. God, I don't know. Okay, you can start with no, but then, there, that's, but then we have nowhere else to go with God, with that situation, with that prompting, with that leading. Do you understand? Like th- this is the life of faith. It's the next yes and the next yes and the next yes and the next yes to God. That's really what it all comes down to. And the great news, and the good news, really, honestly, is that we see from the story of Zacchaeus is that the very first yes isn't actually yours. That's actually really good news, is that God has already said yes to you. That's what we see in Zacchaeus. He called him by name. He saw him and called him by name and invited him into life and relationship with him. And that's really the only thing that makes all of this possible is because God has actually already said yes to you through Jesus. Isn't that beautiful and amazing? That Jesus started with yes to you so that you could actually start with yes to him. Jesus started with yes to you. And here's the crazy thing. For those of you who have maybe been a Christian for a while now, you may have forgotten that that's actually how it all started. You've kind of like thought you've kind of earned your way into grace. You've been doing this, you've been doing a good job of this for so long that God's lucky to have you if you were being honest. He started with yes to you. He came to seek and save the lost. That means you and me. 
He started with yes for you. You may be new to this whole faith thing. You're coming to church. You want to see things in your life change. Or maybe a friend dragged you or brought you out today. Do you know that that's the reality that you may not even know? And it's one of the most important things for you to know. God already says yes to you. He desires to have a relationship with you. He desires for you to know him, to love him, to trust him, to follow him. He doesn't promise clarity. He doesn't promise all the how, but he does promise you his son that you can have new life in and through him. That's a powerful thing. He's already said yes to you. So the question is, will you say yes to him? See, here's the great thing about life with God when it comes to this kind of stuff. It's, it's like an open book test. The answer is always on the board. When it comes to God, the answer is always yes. And if you can get that, your life opens up. Unbelievable faith, possibility, transformation. So the question is, will you say yes? Will you say yes? I wonder what some of the things are in your life this week God's going to bring your way for you to say yes to. So our homework is for this week, your homework is to look for ways to say yes to God and then to say it. Look for little prompts, maybe to have a conversation with a coworker at work to ask for forgiveness, to offer forgiveness. Will you say yes to that? God's prompting you to reach out to a friend. I can't tell you how many times someone has just texted me at just the right moment. Just happened this last week. Someone just sent me a little message on Facebook. Hey, I was thinking about you, dot, dot, dot. It's exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. Exactly what I needed to hear. They just had a little yes with God and they just did it. What would it look like for you to look for those big and little yeses for you to say yes to God with this week. And then I couldn't close out our time together today and finish this message without giving the opportunity for anyone and for everyone who actually wants to say yes to Jesus in a life-changing, transforming way. This is so central to who we are that really our life begins in relationship with Jesus. That that's really where it all happens. And so what I want to do is just provide an opportunity for anyone who's never, has maybe never done that before. And maybe you've been kind of like in the maybe, you know, is there a maybe I'm checking God thing out? I want to help you start with yes today. And you may be thinking, oh, well, I'll say yes to God kind of once I get my life right and I get my life all figured out. We all think that, right? Like I'll say yes to God when I kind of get all the clarity and all the stuff worked out. But here's what you need to remember. Tomorrow's yes is actually today's no. If you're not willing to say yes today, then it's a no. And so what I want to do is provide you an opportunity to say yes today. And maybe for you, you said yes to Jesus a long time ago when you were a kid. You used to be really close to God. But life happened, things happened, choices were made, and it's been a long time since you felt close to Jesus. And I want to invite you to say yes again, to come back home again, to allow him to come into your home, to your heart, just like he did with Zacchaeus. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask everyone, if you would, to take a posture of prayer we take here at Soul City. We open our hands up. It's a way you can um, open your hands up. We're going to just take a second, eyes closed, in this moment. And I want you to really think about your life, really think about where you're at. And I want to pray a prayer that you can pray along with me if you're ready and you want to say yes to Jesus. Say yes to following him, to trusting him, to coming back home to him. And so I'm going to pray this and then you can just pray exactly the words I pray if you want. Make them your own. 
or pray your own words, but I want to just provide you the opportunity to say yes to relationship with Jesus, to coming back into relationship with him. So can we pray together right now? You can pray these words with me. Jesus, I say yes to you. I say yes to your will and your way. I say yes to your forgiveness and freedom. I confess that my life is a mess, full of sin and regret. I cannot fix myself on my own. So I'm saying yes to you today. I want new life in you today. I want real life in you today. And I want to share eternity with you forever. Jesus, I choose you as my Savior, my Lord, and my friend. It's in your mighty name that I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand right now and I want to invite you to celebrate every single person who prayed that prayer today, who said yes to Jesus today. And what we want to do is we want to say yes to Jesus right now in celebration and worship. We want to put an exclamation point. So I want to encourage you to not say no to singing out right now, but to say yes and to praise God for all of who he is and all that he's done here today.